See, last week was Easter Sabbath. That was yes, can do in the, in the cool shadows of the empty tomb. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today is he can do. Is that in the Bible? You bet it is. Open your Bible to a verse you may have read before if, you, if you've read the book Deuteronomy through, but you may never have stopped at this verse. It's powerful. Deuteronomy chapter 3. I want to read this in your hearing. Scribble the verse down. We got a study guide in the uh, worship bulletin. This verse did not get included there. So just scribble it down. Deuteronomy chapter 3, 24. Moses is praying to God. Powerful prayer. Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do. Those are the two words. Can do. What God How's it go again? What God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and the mighty works you do? Yes, can do for you and me, because he can do. What God is there in this universe? Oh, there are gods by the millions on this planet, clamoring for the allegiance of the human race. But there's only one living God, eternal, omnipotent, and he's the one He's the one we're coming to on this day of prayer and fasting. Yes, can do, because he can do. Once upon a time, there were five kings, five armies, five strongholds. But they end up, an emphasis on the word end, they end up in a stunning defeat in a story you're hardly going to believe. Some of you have never heard the story before in your lives. Open your Bible to Joshua 10. Joshua 10. Take a look at this. The perfect story for the Andrews University Pioneer Memorial Church on this day of prayer and fasting. We'll pick it up in verse 1. I've got the NIV. You didn't bring a Bible. Grab the Pew Bible in front of you. It's page 155 there. Little book but with a dynamite punch. Joshua 10, verse 1. Now Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai, or Ai, nearby city, and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king what he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon, another city, had made a treaty of peace with Israel. The children of Israel have come past Jericho. They're now conquering Canaan. But the people of Gideon had made a peace treaty with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. We are in big trouble. He sends communication to four other Amorite brothers in the kingship. They're kings. He says, guys, this is, they're coming against us. If we don't strike first, it's curtains. Verse 4, come up and help me. Attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Yarmuth, Lachash, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. I'm talking about a confederated, united dark and pagan thrust 
at the people of God. That's what we've got right here. But with your permission, I'd like to see, I'd like to see this stunning tale as a metaphor, as a metaphor for life on this planet today with the dark, occultic confederacy that at this moment is arrayed against the human race and against the people of God. You know these words well, but come on. Keep your finger right here in Joshua. We'll, we'll be right back. Ephesians chapter 6. You, come and, you need to come and take a look at these uh, prayer booths in the youth chapel. Slip, slip in after uh, worship at 1 o'clock. Take a look. They're based on the pieces of armor here in Ephesians chapter 6. So you're finding Ephesians chapter 6. Pick it up in verse 10. Paul writing, finally, be strong in the Lord. He's writing to all believers. That'd be you and me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What kind of a confederacy is this? Keep reading. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's... That's the host. That's the army. Every single man, woman, and child in this space and outside this space is up against today. That's the host. Do you know how many of them there are? I'll tell you. One-third. No kidding. Revelation 12. One-third of the angels, the perfect and pristine angels of God's kingdom in a faraway galaxy long long ago. One-third of them bought the line of this rebel named Lucifer, whose passion is to usurp the throne of the universe. Follow me, and we'll rule one day. One-third. Out. These are the demons. You've heard of demons? Of course you have. You've heard of ghosts? You have. Spirits? The spooky stuff we don't like to think about, it's all real. Hollywood makes us think it's all a figment of some producer's imagination. It's real. One-third of the heavenly kingdom battled, battled from the beginning and are now battling against us. And by the way, you know how Lucifer rules them? I'll tell you, the inside story. He rules them with fear and terror. He's not a winsome leader. He's not a friendly leader. He is a brutal, terrorizing leader by sheer force and fear. How do we know? You remember the demoniac in Mark chapter 5? Remember, he was in the tombs. He comes clawing out, and the disciples run, and Jesus, Jesus just unmoves and stands right there, foaming and at Jesus' feet. Jesus doesn't flinch. He knows, he knows who he's up against. What's your name? Legion. And do you remember when he raised his hand to begin to cast the legion out? They interrupt, and the voices within the man speak. Don't cast us into hell and torment us. They use the word torment. Where did they get that idea? That sometime along the way, if this Christ wins, 
you'll be tormented forever and ever. Where did they get the idea? The general who through sheer terror is manipulating his forces. Ladies and gentlemen, these strongholds we're going to be praying about in just a moment because you'll be doing the praying, they're not the figment of anybody's imagination. They are real live demons who are holding this planet because the word is out. The king is about to come. Hold your ground. Don't yield an inch. Yeah. How's that going? Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the deal. That's who we're up against in this day of prayer and fasting. That's why we need the sticker to be the way we pray. Yes, can do, because he can do. Stop. What's your name? Go. There's not a, there's not a stronghold that is resistant to Christ himself. Good news, huh? I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that. Good news, huh? Yeah, amen. Come on, guys. Absolutely. All right, a little lady, about five foot three inches tall, over a century ago, described behind the scenes this evil confederacy. I thought you'd like this. You have this all in the take-home study guide, all these quotations. Let's put it on the screen, please. More than a century ago, Ellen White warned, could our eyes be opened? And could each of us see the conflict of angelic agencies with a satanic confederacy who are combined with evil human agencies? They have partners on this planet. What astonishment will come upon the soul? Keep reading. The holy angels are working with terrible intensity. Those are the good guys. The holy angels are working with terrible intensity for the salvation of men, women, and children because the destroyer of souls is seeking to make of no effect the salvation which has been purchased at Calvary by our Lord Jesus at infinite cost. They know what is signed their death warrant. They already know they've lost. But misery loves company, and they'll take every man, woman, and child that will yield to them. Keep reading. Could our spi- oh, this, this is some line. Could our spiritual vision be open? In other words, could the veil between us and the invisible world drop right now? If we could see, this place would be filled with beings. If there's a guardian angel for every human being in this space, and there is a demon that is just perhaps outside this space, and we saw what they live with 24-7, what does she say here? Could our spiritual vision be open? We should see that which would never again be effaced from the memory as long as life should last. We would never forget what we would be able to see. We should see souls bowed down under oppression, slaves with this dark slave master, loaded with grief, pressed down as a cart beneath the sheaves, this heavy weight, and ready to die in discouragement. We should see angels flying swiftly, Coming from where? From the celestial courts. She's under attack. I need help. He's under heavy artillery. Send in help. You think it's funny? You think what we're doing down here is some makeup kid stuff? We got it from somewhere else. The first war in the universe was in God's house. We should see angels flying swiftly to aid the tempted ones who stand as on the brink of a precipice. 
These tempted souls are unable to help themselves. Oh, how true. And avoid the ruin which threatens them. But the angels of God are forcing back the evil angels and guiding the souls away from the dangerous places. Don't go there. Don't go there. Come back. Come back. Come back to plant their feet on a sure foundation. We should see battles going on. If only our eyes could see between the two armies as real as those fought by opposing forces on earth. Listen to this. It's silent right now. We don't hear a thing. We can't hear the movement. We can't see in the nether space above us the hosts, the hosts, because every, every army is fighting for keeps. That's Paul's point. Every army. And by the way, they're not, they're not three choices you have. You have only two. There are only two armies. You're in one or the other. There's no middle, there's no no man's ground. Not in this battle. You're on one side or the other. So, here's Joshua. Five kings, five armies, five pagan, dark strongholds. And what will happen? Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Go back to Joshua. Joshua chapter 10, verse 6. And the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. Is there, let, me, let me ask you a question. Is there a more powerful prayer than help? Help me. Can you think of a more powerful prayer? Let's be honest. Come on. It is our natural or our unnatural inclination as human beings to really be slow in asking people for help. Do you get a little hesitant about just going across the hallway or going across the neighbor's yard and having to ask for help? Why? Because I don't, I don't want to look like I'm out of control. I don't want to look like I'm in a jam that I, that I need somebody to step in and help me. And you know what? You're not going to believe this. But with God, we're even worse. Not a word to him. We're going through hell. Not a word to him. I don't want to bother him now. I can get this. I can do it. It's not yes can do. It's I can do. And we don't call the one word prayer that can unleash angels in your defense. Help me. Two words. Listen to Anne Lamott in her own uh, unique style of writing. Turn the tables for a moment. But... Lamont's words on the screen. There's freedom in hitting bottom. Uh Uh-oh. There's freedom in it. Why? In seeing that you won't be able to save or rescue your daughter, her spouse, his parents, or your career. Relief in admitting you've reached a place of great unknowing. This is where restoration can begin, because when you're still in a state of trying to fix the unfixable, how much human energy is in the state of trying to fix the unfixable? As a group, as an individual, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Why don't we ask for help? What were we waiting for? Not a word. We'll just do it again. 
Relief in admitting you've reached the place of the great unknowing. This is where restoration can begin because when you're still in the state of trying to fix the unfixable, everything bad is engaged. The chatter of your mind, the tension of your physiology, all the trunks and wheel-ons you carry from the past, it's exhausting, crazy-making. Now here it comes. Help. Help us walk through this. Help us come through. It is the first great prayer. She's right. Help. You gotta help us. We're in trouble. Big trouble. Back to that other woman author. I put the words on the screen for you. Desire ages. Whoa. What? What a quotation. I, keep, I have this uh, handwritten, all my Bibles. I don't want to miss this one. We are to contend with supernatural forces, but we are assured of supernatural help. All the intelligences of heaven are in this army, and more than angels are in the ranks. The Holy Spirit, the representative of the captain of the Lord's host, the Holy Spirit, the representative of Christ the King. Man, have we been talking about the Holy Spirit around here or what? Why? Because of this. Look, the Holy Spirit the representative of the captain of the Lord's host comes down to direct the battle. Our, here comes this beautiful gospel of grace. Our infirmities may be many, our sins and mistakes grievous, but the grace of God is for all who seek it with contrition. Doesn't matter what you've done. That beautiful prayer that Sabine led us through just a moment ago. God says, we start now. The power, last line, the power of omnipotence is enlisted in behalf of those who trust in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Omnipotence, all the power of the universe. He can do. All the intelligences of heaven in this army. Wow. Maybe the sticker is more than a bit of... Uh, eye candy for whatever it is we're wearing. Look at, look at verse 7. So, so the, the Gibeonites are, help! In fact, the two words are, help us. Now, verse 7. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid of them. Hey, by the way, you know what I'm thinking of? There was a little baby once upon a time born in a little town called Bethlehem, and his mother named him by the instruction of the angel. You'll call him Yeshua. He was named Joshua. In Hebrew, Jesus is Joshua. It's Greek that called him Jesus, and then we get English, Jesus. But he was Yeshua. I can't help but believe that this command from the Almighty God to Joshua is really the command of God himself to the second person of the Godhead who comes to this planet. Listen to what God says to Joshua. What is this? Verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them, not one of these strongholds will be able to withstand you. That's something. Listen, Jesus, don't be afraid. You're going down into the dragon's lair. It's booby-trapped everywhere you turn. Don't be afraid. I've given every stronghold to you. Take them. Take the entire planet. Crush that resistance. And he comes. Born a helpless baby in Bethlehem. Wow. 
You know what? Those little seven word, that little seven word creed, remember that? I will put my, how's it go? I will put my trust in him. Jesus Credo, Hebrews 2.13. He lived by these seven words. I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him. No matter what's happening, is it, the de- is it Satan himself behind this raving maniac? I will put my trust in him. Second Corinthians. Boy, let's put, just put it on the screen. Come on. Second Corinthians chapter 10. This is, this is our theme text for Against the Strongholds, which is the, the um, guiding light for this day of Prayer and fasting. The weapons we fight with, let's read this out loud together. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Now, hold on, because we're getting to the good news. Read it out loud together. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power. Omnipotent. You know what the weapon is? It's prayer. It's prayer. I've been praying with a different person every hour. That I've been here at the, uh, at the youth chapel starting last night at seven. We're all praying for people. Man, I, I've heard some anguished prayers. We're all praying for somebody. I carry these words in my Bibles connected with 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Sidlow Baxter wrote these words, put them on the screen for you. You can keep them. Men may spurn our appeals. Some of you have been praying for somebody for years. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't give up. Men may, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our own persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Hallelujah. Helpless against our prayers. They may hate you. They may spit on you. They may reject you. They may never answer that email or ever pick up the phone. If it's your number on that phone, don't worry about it. They are helpless against your prayers. The weapons we have are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Take them down. Take them down. Wow. (laughs) This is some book, isn't it? It has stuff in it that works. I'm going to go to a little old lady again. That little lady. Put her words on the screen. Satan knows better than God's people. Isn't that something? He knows better than you do. He knows better than I do. Satan knows better than God's people that they can have notes. Start over. Time out. Okay. Satan, I'm so excited about this one. Satan knows better than God's people the power that they can have over him when their strength is in whom? When their strength is in Christ, when they humbly entreat the mighty conqueror for help, the weakest believer in the truth. I'm the weakest in this room. You may think of yourself as the weakest in this room. Who cares? The weakest believer in the truth, relying firmly upon Christ Jesus, can successfully repulse Satan and all, 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 one-third of the of the angels of heaven that now follow him. One-third repulsed just by you saying, yes, can do, because he can do. That's the deal. And that's why we pray militantly as this battle cry set of prayers just modeled for us. Yes, can do, because he can do. I mean, Jesus was trying to tell us that, that just before he gets executed. 
Late Thursday night, John 15, 5, Jesus says, hey, guys, I need to tell you something. Without me, you can do nothing, nada, zero, without me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep. But without me, the same Christ reminds us, you can do nothing. Yes, can do because he can do. Yes, can do because he can do. Do you know why? Because Jesus is the superhero of the universe. Got a lot of superheroes going around these days. He is the numero uno superhero. And he won this battle at Calvary. That's why Revelation 12, 11, you know these words? Oh, my. Look at that. Revelation 12, 11 on the screen. They triumphed. Who's they? These are the followers. You, me. They triumphed over him. Who's that? That's the Satan dragon. They triumphed over Satan by the blood of the Lamb. There it is. And by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We're going to sing a song in just a few moments, and you're going to notice words embedded in that song that you've never sung before, and it'll talk about those who paid the ultimate price. Don't worry. God has the last word. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Oh, that little lady again on the screen. Tell him that would be Satan of the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. You cannot save yourself from the tempter's power, but he trembles and flees when the merits of that precious blood are urged. Yep. Did I tell you that uh, we had a little huddle here before the day of prayer began began at 7 o'clock last night? You know what we prayed? That the blood of the Lamb would go on every doorpost, that the blood of the Lamb symbolically would go on every doorway into that sanctuary, this sanctuary and that sanctuary, that anybody who comes in during these 24 hours is under the blood, and that the forces of darkness are expelled to the exterior. Colossians 2.15. I love this one. Put it on the screen, please. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, the, the, the occultic confederacy arrayed against the kingdom of heaven and the church of God on earth, having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. All the demonic hosts, Satan himself, bow down. And they knew... That when he cried, it is written. It is finished, rather. They knew that when he cried, it is finished. It's curtains. We can fight till the fight is gone out of us, but we'll never win this now. We lost. It's over. It's finished. Finished. Yes, can do, because he can do. All right, the story has this dramatic ending. Look out. Verse 12. No, let's pick it up in verse 9. So God says, don't worry, I'm going to give you all those strongholds. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw the enemy into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel, Israel pursued them all along the road, going up to Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Machadah. And as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Somebody once said, all is fair in love and war. This hellion that has usurped my creation and is seeking to destroy my people, 
I'm taking my creation back. I have a little bit of arsenal tucked away there that he doesn't know about. He takes the creation back. What's, what's the point he's making? This is a simple point. You thought you were fighting Joshua and those people. You're not fighting them. You are fighting against Almighty God, and I just won. There's no stronghold in your life or on this planet, on this campus. There is no stronghold that the Almighty One cannot single-handedly, alone, bring down. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. But it gets even better. Verse 12, and on the day that the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, and by the way, if you ever, if, if you say something to the Lord, you know what you're doing? You're praying. So Joshua's praying. That's the key point here. Joshua is praying. And in response to his prayers, I want you to get what happens. So Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. So everybody hears this public prayer. I mean, talking about putting your, your whole life on the line. Look how big his petition is. Joshua prays in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Yashar. We don't know where that book is. Keep reading. For the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Verse 14. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. That's what happens in prayer. When you pray, the God of the universe stoops low and he says, girl, boy, talk to me. I'm listening. God heard the prayer of that valiant believer. And he said, all right, Gabriel, can we pull this off? You're the creator, God. I think we can. He wants the sun to stay up so that he can chase the enemy to the last man. Leave the sun up. I'll tell you when to put it down. In our Western, finely tuned sensibilities, we chuckle because we don't believe. It's just too far-fetched for the Almighty to do. Not apparently according to Holy Scripture. There's never been a day since like that one. A day when the Lord listened to a human being as he listens to you and me. Surely. Oh, boy, there's there's the last line. We go home with that. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. I have good news, ladies and gentlemen. Before you pray, I have good news. God is fighting for us. He's fighting for us. There's no strength in little old me. There's no strength in little old you. I don't care who you are or where you're from. No strength. But we call upon the one who fights for us. And if he he has to empty the arsenal of the skies, he will step in and he will finish the battle. How many thousand angels do we need here at Andrews University? I don't know. But if we need more angels here, can God send them? (laughs) But of course. I close with this quotation from John Dawson in his marvelous book, Taking Our Cities for God. Put the word on the screen. The prayer of a human being can alter history by releasing legions of angels into the earth. Jesus said, if I wanted to, I could call a legion of angels down right now as you're planning to arrest me. That's what happens. 
The prayer of a human being can alter history by releasing legions of angels into the earth. If we really grasp this truth, we would pray with intensity and we would pray constantly. Because your prayers for somebody release supernatural power to their aid. We'd be praying all the time. All the time. Well, he's right. We just don't think about it. We try to win this little battle with these puny little swords, cut down every time. 